June's Journey is a fascinating hidden object mystery gaming app where you'll play as June Parker, tasked with a daunting obligation, solve your sister's murder. Set in the 1920s, the era of glitz and glam, this family mystery is one for the ages. Everyone's a suspect until your investigation determines otherwise. The clues are all around you, hidden within tricky twists and turns. You'll collect detailed information about each character in your photo album where you'll comb over every detail. You can even join a detective's club to chat and play with others or against them in the detective's league. With hundreds of puzzles to solve, you should probably get started today. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases. The time is now more than ever to embrace the breathtaking, sinister, and shocking tales that can enthrall you, especially with brand new exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped, like Amy Tintera's Listen for the Lie. With exclusive thrillers from best-selling authors, captivating sound design, and dynamic performances, Audible brings these stories to life like never before. And as a member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now, we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. The breaking news tonight, the CDC officially decides who should get the vaccine first in the most ambitious vaccination program in U.S. history. With just two weeks to go until the projected rollout of the first coronavirus vaccine, the concerns tonight about why it'll take at least five months to vaccinate all the most vulnerable Americans and essential workers. As hospitalizations spike across the country, why South Dakota and Indiana lead the nation, and why an ER doctor says the crisis is worse than ever. Tonight, Dr. Anthony Fauci says those record numbers could lead to a new lockdown. Plus, a couple married for nearly half a century, dying of COVID just seconds apart. Breaking with President Trump, the attorney general today says there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Plus, what the president plans to do with the reported $170 million he's raised since Election Day. Biden's economic team, the president-elect's message to the American people. Help is on the way. Congress considers a last-ditch effort to approve a new dose of COVID relief. So what's in the nearly $1 trillion bipartisan plan? And what will it mean for you? Dangerous winter storm, the driving snow that might have sent this freight train off the rails. An actor's journey, the Oscar-nominated star of Juno announces he is transgender and speaks out against the violence their community faces. And on this Giving Tuesday, we salute a 13-year-old determined to help kids in need. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news on the biggest and most complex vaccination program in American history. Tonight, a CDC advisory panel has just approved a plan to give the first doses of coronavirus vaccine to healthcare workers and people living in nursing homes. That means that if the FDA approves the vaccines it's reviewing, as many as 20 million Americans could begin getting shots just two weeks from now on December 15th. Still, experts warn that won't be soon enough to stop tens of thousands of Americans from dying from the virus, which is now spreading out of control. Tonight, New York City is advising older people and those with underlying conditions not to leave their homes as the rate of infections there continues to climb. And with hospitalizations hitting another record high today, the nation's top infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, is suggesting some areas may need to consider new lockdowns. And then there's also that breaking news tonight out of the Justice Department, where the attorney general, one of the president's most loyal defenders, now says he's found no evidence of fraud that would change that who won the election. That's another blow to the president's attempts to overturn the results. We've got a lot of new reporting for you and your family tonight. We've got our team there to cover it all. CBS's Mola Lange is going to lead off our coverage tonight from New York City. Good evening, Mola. Well, good evening, Nora. As cases continue to surge across the country, folks continue to wait in line, some for hours, just to get a COVID-19 test. This says tonight we're learning who the CDC is recommending to be the first to get vaccinated. Today, an official roadmap to ending this pandemic as members of a federal advisory committee officially voted on who should be first in line. First up, our healthcare heroes and nursing home patients ravaged by the virus. 24 million Americans who could start getting the first doses in about two weeks. Once approved by the FDA, the first batch of Pfizer vaccines is expected to be delivered to hospitals on December 15th. The first batch of the Moderna vaccine a week later. From there, states will use this roadmap to get the vaccine in the arms of Americans, which is expected to take about five months. Dr. William Schaffner is an advisor for the committee that voted today. What are you still concerned about? Delivering it in the United States alone to 330 million people will have to be reassuring, will have to be persuasive. There are people who are skeptical, lots of people. The next phases, expected to begin in January, will focus on the 87 million essential workers, teachers, police, firefighters, and workers in food production and transportation. Phase 1C will include adults over the age of 65 and those with high-risk medical conditions, more than 153 million people. This is the most complicated vaccine campaign in United States history. Dr. Tom Frieden, the former CDC director, says there are a lot of challenges in this rollout. And unless Congress provides substantial funds to state and local governments, there's going to be a lot of difficulty getting this vaccine used as soon and safely as possible. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has a plan in place. The National Guard is in charge here. Uh, They've been practicing. Uh, They're ready to go. This is necessary to get them out to the the smaller counties. Well, it'll be up to state officials in each state as to whether to follow CDC guidance throughout the rollout of the vaccine, which, as you can imagine, will be a daunting responsibility, considering health officials say at least 70 percent of Americans ultimately need to be vaccinated if we're going to flatten the COVID-19 curve once and for all, Nora. Well, Lange with that long line in the cold tonight to get tests. Thank you. 
We have a report tonight from two COVID hotspots in America's heartland. South Dakota and Indiana have the highest rates of COVID hospitalizations per capita in the entire country. CBS's David Begno spoke with battle-weary healthcare workers on the front lines of the crisis. If I don't have COVID, I cannot spread COVID. We start in South Dakota. As the virus rages, so does the debate. It's just a mask, wear it. This is a public health crisis. I don't know what else to say. When did government get to dictate what we wear? That was in Rapid City last night, in a state that leads the nation in per capita hospitalizations. For COVID, Indiana ranks second. Scott Samlin is an emergency room doctor in Hammond, Indiana, near Chicago. We first talked to him back in March. This is the most scared I've ever been, being an ER doctor. That was at the start of the pandemic. Now? It's been nine months, and we're still at it. I'm emotionally and mentally fatigued, and physically, I think everybody is. Tonight, Indiana set another record for hospitalizations, nearly quadrupling in just two months. This 25-bed hospital in rural Missouri cannot keep up. It is overwhelmed. Take Florida today. They hit 1 million total coronavirus cases. What's it about? Patient care. In New York, there was a walkout. We don't have enough staffing, so we can't take adequate care of the patients. And listen to this nurse in North Dakota. One day your patient will be doing okay on a couple liters of oxygen, and the next day they're needing to be vented. One in four North Dakotans know someone who died from the virus. Meanwhile, this from Dr. Anthony Fauci. I think if you start to see overrunning of your hospitals and your health care systems, I can assure you that there will be serious consideration for lockdown. In Michigan, this is Patricia and Leslie McWaters, married nearly 50 years. Family members say both were taken to the same hospital where Patricia worked as a nurse They both died at exactly 4.23 p.m., two days before Thanksgiving. May their memory be a blessing. You know, the first cases of coronavirus in the United States, turns out it was found as far back as December of 2019, even before China reported its first case. How do we know that? Well, it turns out the CDC sent researchers to look at Red Cross blood donations. And Nora, in some of those donations from December of 2019, they found blood that had COVID-19 antibodies in it. It was really one of the most stunning revelations today. David Begno, thank you. Today, President Trump's false claims of rampant ballot fraud were again debunked, this time by a surprising source. Attorney General William Barr, a staunch Trump ally, says there's no evidence to support the president's allegations. We get more now from CBS's Ben Tracy. Attorney General Bill Barr seen entering the White House this afternoon just after delivering a major blow to President Trump's claims of election fraud. Telling the Associated Press, to date, we have not seen fraud on a scale that could have affected a different outcome in the election. It's a significant repudiation from one of the president's most loyal cabinet members. This is playing with fire. Who himself questioned mail-in voting before the election and afterwards told federal prosecutors to look for evidence of voter fraud. Now Barr is debunking wild claims by the Trump campaign. One of its most characteristic features it's, is its ability to flip votes. Including from one-time Trump attorney Sidney Powell, that voting machines were programmed to change election results. Barr says his department looked into that and hasn't seen anything to substantiate the claim. This election was a fraud, 
President Trump continues making baseless accusations, and his campaign is firing back tonight, saying, with all due respect to the attorney general, there hasn't been any semblance of a Department of Justice investigation, again claiming ample evidence of illegal voting. But the Trump campaign is racking up a string of legal defeats due to lack of evidence, even as it now sues the state of Wisconsin in a desperate attempt to disqualify more than 221,000 ballots in the state's two most Democratic counties. Yesterday, Joe Biden was certified the winner of Wisconsin's election. What are the odds that they all switched overnight? <laughs> Tonight, the head of President Trump's legal team, Rudy Giuliani, is denying reports that he discussed getting a preemptive pardon from the president, possibly for his business dealings in Ukraine. And according to the New York Times, the Trump campaign has raised more than $170 million for its legal fight. But 75 percent of all contributions are actually going to the president's new political action committee, which can fund his future political efforts. And Ben joins us now from the White House. And Ben, I understand there's this breaking news right now about a possible bribery for a pardon scheme. What do we know? Yeah, Nora, in this 20-page, heavily redacted court filing, the Department of Justice reveals that for months it's been investigating a conspiracy in which, quote, someone would offer a substantial political contribution in exchange for a presidential pardon. Now, this does not say who is being investigated or who wanted the pardon, but it does say that 20 or 50, rather, electronic devices have been seized. We have asked the White House about this tonight, and they say they have no comment. Nora. More to come on that, Ben Tracy. Thank you. Well, today, President-elect Joe Biden introduced his new economic team, pledging to move quickly as the recovery slows, the pandemic wears on, and millions of households and businesses struggle to stay afloat. Here's CBS's Ed O'Keefe. President-elect Joe Biden today unveiled the team that he says will be responsible for rebuilding the American economy. Our message to everybody struggling right now is this. Help is on the way. The incoming economic team stands out for its diversity with two African-Americans and four women total, including the first to be tapped as Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. The former Fed chair signaled she will move quickly on the economy, once confirmed. It's an American tragedy, and it's essential that we move with urgency. Mr. Biden's choice for White House budget director, Neera Tendon, recalled how her immigrant mother from India relied for a time on federally subsidized housing and food stamps. I'm here today because of social programs, because of budgetary choices, because of a government that saw my mother's dignity and gave her a chance. But Tandon, head of the liberal think tank Center for American Progress, is facing stiff Republican opposition for years of sharp criticism of the GOP. If you want to make sure this nut job, Tandon, doesn't become the director of the budget in charge of the Office of Management and Budget, then make sure we win in Georgia. Georgia is a reference, of course, to those two Senate runoff elections scheduled for January 5th in Georgia, around the time the new Congress is set to begin. Today, Mr. Biden called on the Senate to schedule confirmation hearings for his picks early next year, regardless of which party controls the Senate. Nora. Ed O'Keefe, thank you. Unless Congress acts soon, millions of Americans will face eviction, a loss of unemployment benefits, or both. But there are signs of compromise after months of gridlock. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes. In Miami today, this was the line for a chance to nab a $250 grocery gift card handed out by the city. My coworker picked me up at 
3.15. We got here about maybe 3.50. In the morning? Yes. A vaccine may be in sight, but the job market is still ailing. Today, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell urged Congress to pass another big relief bill now. The risk of overdoing it is less than the risk of underdoing it. Nura Moshtayel agrees. She's lost two jobs, forcing her and her son to move in with her mother in Macon, Georgia. I mean, it's a little scary. Um, I have a lot to be grateful for that I have, you know, a roof over my head anyway. A brief glimmer of hope came today when a bipartisan group of lawmakers announced a $900 billion compromise plan with more funding for small businesses, state and local governments, and unemployment benefits. In a crisis, the people expect Congress to act. When could we actually see a bill that is ready for a vote? We would have one ready uh, very soon. But their plan was greeted with silence from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who wants a bill twice that size. The Senate's Republican leader, Mitch McConnell, blew it off, too. We just don't have time to waste time. Instead, he released his own smaller proposal. There's likely to be a discussion about additional, uh, some additional package of some size uh, next year, depending upon uh, what the new administration wants to uh, pursue. What all this means is that there are now multiple proposals of varying sizes floating around the Capitol, but no consensus. Nora. Nancy Cordes, thank you. About 30 million people got an early taste of winter today from a late autumn snowstorm. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. This major storm system is being felt from Ohio to Maine, with dangerous winter weather all the way down the eastern seaboard. Drivers across Ohio spinning their wheels as up to a foot of heavy snow and wind gusts up to 35 miles per hour cause whiteout conditions. The state declaring a snow emergency in several counties. The one word that sums up today, devastating, devastating. Shaker Heights Public Works Assistant Director John Becker says his snowplow operators are working 12-hour shifts, but we saw firsthand it isn't enough. I guess we should get out of the way so you can help this guy out. Uh, We appreciate that. An investigation underway in Amherst tonight after this freight train derailed amid the snowstorm. No one was injured. High winds in Maine sent trees crashing into homes. And a tornado touching down in northern Florida causing minor damage. And back here in Ohio, there's more to come. Arctic air is actually following this entire system. So Wednesday and Thursday's temperatures in the morning here outside of Cleveland will feel like 20 degrees. In much of the Midwest, it will feel as if it's in the teens, with some locations, Nora, feeling as if it is in the single digits. Wow, winter is here. Errol Barnett, thank you so much. The star of the movie Juno came out today as transgender. Elliot Page was formerly known as Ellen Page. We get more now from CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. I think I'm in love with you. The Academy Award-nominated star, known for roles in Hollywood blockbusters like Juno and Inception. I'm not pretending. And the Netflix hit The Umbrella Academy introduced himself to the world on Instagram, writing, I want to share with you that I'm trans. My pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. Elliot Page went on to say, I can't begin to express how remarkable it feels to finally love who I am enough to pursue my authentic self. 
Page's journey under the bright and often blinding lights of Hollywood hasn't been easy. The actor first came out as one of the most visible gay actors in 2014. And I am here today because I am gay. It was at the time a breakthrough moment in Hollywood, but not the full story for Paige, who in the years that followed advocated for gay, lesbian, and trans people. Whenever a prominent person and a prominent entertainer comes out, it it really helps trans people in terms of public awareness. In his final words in today's announcement, Paige promised the trans community to make the world better. Jonathan Migliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles. And he will. On this Giving Tuesday, we'd like to introduce you to a 13-year-old in Georgia who's made it his mission to help others. Here's CBS's Janet Shamlian. Hi, my name is C.J. Matthews. C.J. Matthews hosts a flag football game called the Giving Bowl every December. It's a fundraiser for a charity he started, giving blankets to children who in some way are struggling. What's special about giving someone a blanket? Um, Because... A blanket, it's it's warm it's and it's comfortable. COVID canceled this year's contest, but not the 13-year-old's mission. A drive through donation event netted 150 blankets. Cash donations will allow him to give away almost 1,000. He has a heart of gold. He always has. When he hands the blankets over, he says he hopes kids realize, even this year, kindness has not been canceled. It's going to feel really good to me because... Um, I'm helping another soul, another soul be happy in life. Janet Shamley in CBS News, Houston. That's the best kind of giving. Tomorrow, she was one of the best defenders on the gold medal U.S. soccer team. Now she's caring for patients. Just a reminder, if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. It was a good show, right? Good night. Stephen Colbert here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is our podcast. I'm here with my producer, Becca. Becca, what can people expect on the podcast? The extended moments, for sure. Where can people get that? On The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert, wherever you get your podcasts. I use the internet. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.